Okay, <laughs> welcome back to Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast. Today, it is the middle of the last Olympian, chapters 9 through 15, I think. Hopefully, we'll get there tonight. <laughs> um, we've got a brand new special guest late in the game, and we're very hyped to have her here. There's a lot of stuff we need to talk about, so stick around. Okie dokie. <laughs> hi, Carter. Hi. Hi, hi. What's up in Carter land? We're doing this on less than four hours of sleep, but... <laughs> oh my psyched God. to be Me here. Me too. <laughs> Me too. It's midterm season, everybody. Carter and I are welcoming today one of our bestest friends in the whole world, Samantha O. Hi. I'm feeling like really crazy tonight. I don't know how this is going to go, you guys. It's going to be great. Um, so, Sammy, let's just tell the internet how long Carter and I have been harassing you to come onto this podcast just about since it started. Yeah. It's okay. Sammy took her sweet time and she's making a great grand entrance. And now we have really high expectations for her Please takes and opinions. <laughs> but Sammy, tell us about who you are, why you're here, and your background relationship with Percy Jackson. I'm Sammy. I'm a health science major with an education minor. I feel like that's somewhat relevant. I was introduced to the books, I think I want to say around fourth grade, because I think the last Olympian had either just come out that year or something. So it just finished. And then I'm pretty sure one of the BLC librarians actually recommended it to me. Um, my favorite librarian. That was she, a library at our elementary school. Shout out to that queen. BLC, beautiful. She knew my taste so well and she recommended it to me and I loved it. So yeah, that was, that was it. Great. My next question for you is a question that we haven't been able to ask in <laughs> so very long and I'm very excited. How did you as a kid, when you first were given these books by the BLC librarians, pronounce the name of the centaur who runs the camp. Okay, I'm just going to preface this by saying my childhood pronunciation was atrocious on all fronts. Like, <laughs> I, and no one ever corrected me. I thought prologue was pronounced proluge for the longest time. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, I thought it was Chiron. And I honestly didn't, I didn't realize that that was incorrect until I saw the movies, the terrible movies. I was like, no, this has to be incorrect. No, it it was it was Chiron and I was just dumb. <laughs> Wonderful. And then since you obviously are jumping in to this podcast on the last book of the original series, um, is there anything that you would like to say up until this point? I have opinions on Luke. I don't know if you want me to get into it now, but like I'm not a Luke stan. I'm just right. gonna say it. Like I'm just gonna get that out of the way. I know that's probably not the most popular opinion, but No, we respect you for yes. that, is the thing. <laughs> We want to be you. <laughs> like, Truly. I feel a little bad, like, going mm. off on him, specifically in these chapters, just because I feel like it really highlights a lot of, like, the his background and why he has, like, all of this resentment, which, like, I totally get. But at the same time, <laughs> I don't feel like it's an excuse for his behavior. Should I go off on it now or should I hold off to later? He'll be back. He'll be back around. <laughs> All right, great. Well, shivering with anticipation um, for Sammy to rip apart Luke. <laughs> Let's start. Yes, we left off with Percy just becoming invincible and and hot and really hot. Hot. 
Um, so hot. He he bathes in the river sticks wow. a little bit, and and now he's he's powerful and he's ready to to go get this battle started. He yeah he pops out of the underworld in Central Park and he's headed off to Olympus. He gives us this delightful little one liner. I love New York. You can pop out of the underworld in Central Park, hail a taxi, head down Fifth Avenue with a giant hellhound loping along behind you, and nobody even looks at you funny. Wow. Iconic. Wow. It's almost as if... The Battle of Manhattan. Maybe the city is, like, its own character in in this book, you know? Maybe, like, New York is, like, personified and just gives us, like, the energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Best friend. We say all these things, but honestly, I love and I live for all the New York references in this book in particular. And we're going to get a lot of them in yes, this middle section. I have to say, <laughs> especially as we get into the battle strategy and, you know, we're going down the bridges and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Rereading this book this summer after having, like, lived in New York, I felt so powerful <laughs> being like, oh, yeah, the freaking Williamsburg Bridge or whatever. Like, Been there. <laughs> Rick, in between the Lightning Thief and the Last Olympian, Rick Riordan clearly did his research on New York City, perhaps even visited New York City. <laughs> Props to Rick for growth. Look at him knowing bridges. <laughs> Knowing, knowing the Better park. than I can say, honestly. <laughs> anyway, um, he heads over and he meets the rest of the campers at the base of the Empire State Building. And he's got a plan. He's got a plan to defend the city. We don't really know what's going on, but apparently the river sticks not only made him like physically invulnerable, but like really smart, which is fun. <laughs> kind of a good look for Percy. The weird part is that when everyone gets there, like the Aries cabin still isn't there. Percy says, I tried not to get too angry about that. Clarice was a stubborn idiot. End of story. Which is like, yeah. that's relatable energy, honestly. Like, <laughs> Period. He's basically like, Clarice sucks, period, moving on. <laughs> as he's looking at everyone, he's like, one of these people is a spy. And he hasn't been able to let that go because as, you know, in the last episode, obviously the spy caused Beckendorf's death. Chiron is there. And I just really want to highlight this line from Chiron that he says when Percy's like, okay, like looking to him to like lead the battle charge. And Chiron says, I am your trainer, your teacher. That is not the same as being your leader. Which... I just honestly I I get for the purposes of the hero's journey um and taking over and all of that stuff but also like bullshit like bullshit on Chiron being in charge until we actually need him to do something and like be in charge of these kids and like help us save the end of the world like now you're choosing to like pass on the reins yeah you know there's no reason he should be the leader in a group of like 15 year olds like with him with I don't know how many millennia of experience but nah nah let's just let the middle schoolers take charge like what and I just have to say in this time of not only the global pandemic, but also the greatest civil rights movement we've seen since the 1960s, I've been seeing a lot of white men who are in charge of my life saying all of a sudden, actually, like, you guys can do this on your own because, Mm -hmm. like, now it's time for you guys to be in charge as though that's my job and I'm getting paid to do this. False. (laughs) Kyron, you're getting paid. Help yes. out. Also, it's a good thing the stakes aren't like astronomically high or anything, <laughs> like the destruction of this. This isn't like a, oh yeah, let's just drive in an empty parking lot. You take charge, you take some. No, like literally, this is all of Western civilization. You're like, no, you know what? You don't need guidance. Period. I understand Kyron is having daddy issues in this moment. It's a lot <laughs> for him to think about his evil dad taking over the world right now, aren't but they all, he can get over it. He's a grown ass man. 
horse. Grown ass man horse. <laughs> Gleaming stallion. Needs to stop. To the glue up. factory with you, Kyron. <laughs> also, shout out to, I guess I should mention that Instagram poll that I put out there, uh, what will be a couple weeks ago Bye. now. We were going strong for a this while right with anti Kyron versus Kyron. But by the time the poll was over 24 hours later, it was about, I want to say it was 56% Kyron, 44% anti Kyron, which is like, okay, we'll take it. We're split on him. I guess. <laughs> We can move on. Kyron basically says that he's not going to take charge and also turns to Percy and is like, you're the leader now. Percy um, has this moment where he he says, you know, I remembered Kyron had taught Achilles. Didn't reassure me, but I nodded and tried to give him a confident smile. This is a reminder that Kyron has been on this bullshit forever, literally forever, <laughs> that Kyron has sent young teens to their deaths for millennia. And also that Percy in this moment of trying to figure out this new skill set who does he not turn to? Kyron. Why is he there? <laughs> Who's employing him? They're on their way up. Percy is like, we're going to rally the half-bloods and we're going to go tell the Olympians to come back home and, you know, get their shit together all together, one last stand. And it doesn't work. Olympus is deserted. There's no one for them to talk to. Yeah, they they walk through the deserted, like, apocalyptic Olympus. There's a, a couple lines, like, Hera apparently has been hexing and cursing <laughs> Annabeth since uh, she kind of went off on her at the end of the Battle of the Labyrinth. I was cursing her with cow shits. Specifically. This is civil disobedience. <laughs> we make it to the throne room. They say it's like the size of Madison Square Garden. Contextualizing that. And it's empty except for our good old pal, the Ophiotaurus. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to see the Ophiotaurus back here, mooing happily. Bessie. Our king. We love that for Bessie. King Bessie. <laughs> Annabeth also gives us a quick little aside. Annabeth studies Percy and says, you look different. She knows. She's never caught not knowing. <laughs> she always she knows. She literally always knows. That's so powerful. Also, if you're going to give leadership to somebody, why not Annabeth? Like, why did Kyron give it to literally? Percy? Like, Yes. <laughs> that is always the subtext. My grand plan is that I will be remembered. You know, it may not be my quest, but just just wait and see. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> we just did the musical episode. I hope everyone listened to the score because we all did. And we will now <laughs> reference it liberally. <laughs> all the time. Who? <laughs> But who, who is there, of course, but Hestia. It's the mm -hmm. titular role. Hestia is here <laughs> tending to the fire. Like she warned, she would be the one who was always here protecting guarding Olympus. I really love that like Rick chose to make Hestia the last Olympian. Cause I feel like that's so yes. symbolic. Like when everyone yes. else has failed, everyone else is gone. Like that is what's worth, like that is the only arguably reason it is worth saving. Like it's like family, it's the heart, it's home. Like that yes. is like- Wow, you know? And what is home? Like, you know, for everyone, like, who has different visions of, of what their home look like, home is other people. It is the most powerful version of human connection, which is the only thing that's worth saving at the end of the day, which is Orson Scott Card's <laughs> Enderscape, 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, that's one that we haven't referenced in a while. There we yes. go. Kind of interesting, weird whole diddy-do with, with Hestia, um, where we can't forget that, of course, the entire Half-Blood army is, like, standing behind <laughs> Percy and Annabeth, which I just think is so awkward. Like, this is literally Percy, like, being in charge all of a sudden and not knowing what to do and just being like, okay, gang, like, follow me. It's like when you're a sophomore in high school and you're leading a camp for sixth graders at Sammy and you just kind of have to make do with the situation. I can't disagree with that parallel. That's just, you're just saying things and they're just there and you're somehow responsible for them. Hestia drops a lot of tea, drops a lot of truth tea here and is like, you know, Percy, you gained much on your journey, but you are still blind to the most important truth. And then like zaps him with this vision, which is, oh, just so 
well-timed in this writing. It is the vision of Luke and Talia meeting Annabeth for the first time when she is seven, mm -hmm. literally like hiding in a gutter after she has just run away. It's Luke giving Annabeth her famous bronze dagger and saying takes a clever warrior to use a knife and i can tell that you're very clever and little annabeth is like i am <laughs> which i love also i like baby cora energy you know just it, it is so heartbreaking mm -hmm. because after you know this entire series of us being like annabeth get over luke like you have to get over luke this serves as a reminder in this crucial moment that annabeth's like hang up on luke is deep in her trauma mm -hmm. with having run away from home when she was seven. She had no family. Suddenly Luke and Talia show up and say, we're your family now. Like we're going to take care of you. We won't let anything bad happen to you. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, Talia gets turned into a tree and all Annabeth has is Luke mm -hmm. for years, literally years until Percy shows up. So like we don't get to see any of that prior to the series, but knowing that that is there, we have to cut Annabeth some slack yes. in her um, emotional state. <laughs> Literally, yes. Her family, as she is elementary school age, is basically just Luke and like kind of Kyron, but we've had the glue factory conversation. Like it's <laughs> it's Luke. And and that's hard. And also Sammy, we've we've I'm just gonna say it again. He's he he was hot. We we understand that he was attractive at this point. It's hard. It's hard. He was 14. This is like when you have a crush on your babysitter. Except your babysitter is the only person raising you for seven years. I honestly think it's because he's <laughs> five years. I honestly I honestly think it's because he's a white man. I've just never seen the appeal, even in his young, hot days. I think that's just not my cup of tea, personally. But I, I understand. I have the image camp counselor slash brother slash kind of taking a father role. Kind yes. of weird. But anyway. Sammy, I love your ambivalence on this. I want it for myself. And we'll get there. We're getting there. We're we're working. Uh, there's like a flashback in this vision where um, we also see like Luke going to talk to his mom while they're still on the run with, you know, Tali and Annabeth. And we hear Hermes's voice saying like, you shouldn't have come. Dun, dun, dun. Flashback ended. And now Hermes appears for real right in front of Percy. Martha and George are back. Stan, love them. <laughs> Great to see them. They want to get back to battle so they can do laser mode. Same, y'all. Find the joy. Hermes kind of just comes to be like, I was sent with a message for you guys from Athena about what battle strategy we need to be using. Also, Percy, don't forget the rivers. Also, stay away from my daughter. Yes. Um. This is all from Athena. <laughs> Athena says, activate... <laughs> Plan 23 and also stay away from my daughter. <laughs> I, okay, uh, like this reminded me, I do have a little <laughs> bit of an issue with how Athena is written in these books, just because I kind of have an issue with how Rick Riordan kind of portrays like the implication that wisdom and logic mm. are like the antithesis of empathy and attachment. I don't know, when I think of wisdom, like I don't think, ah, uh, yes, mm -hmm, we must mm -hmm. take no prison. Like what's at the end of the third book? She like oh, yeah. yes. voted yes. to yes. basically evaporate Percy. Can you say that's wisdom? Like just being like, this is the logical move, die. Like mm. it just kind of reminds me of how female politicians are constantly like having mm -hmm. to act in order to be taken seriously yes. as someone that is capable and logical. You have and to overdo smart. it. Like you have to not give an inch in like that type of sense especially rereading it i was kind of like is that wisdom just being like yes murder people and <laughs> like no empathy thank you for saying that sammy part and i've been talking about how we want to do an entire episode on athena yes. and we probably will so like now probably isn't the time to say this but athena as a goddess in ancient greece was literally a construction of the patriarchy 
trying to create the ideal quote unquote woman, which is not a real mm-hmm. woman, but rather the idea of woman that man was creating in order to oppress the actual woman living in the real world into their own separate polis of their private sphere, because the only ideal version of a woman was a completely desexualized, mm-hmm. unemotionally attached to anything battle strategy yes. war machine. It's like actual Mulan. Yes. Or any female sidekick in an action sure, sure, sure. movie. Yeah. Anyway, we can talk about that at length another day. There's this line that I just wanted to take note of here where Hermes is like, blah, blah, blah. You know, she gets paid to be the goddess of wisdom. And I was like, whoa, Athena's getting paid. The gods are getting paid. What? Like, destroy (laughs) capitalist machine that is clearly Olympus. Yep. Hermes gives us a few more tidbits here. He says that, like, the winds are guarding Olympus, which we are led to believe means that basically the Titan army is going to have to attack on land. And then enter Olympus via the elevators, which is a delightful image that does in fact end up coming to pass. I also like just find it really funny that the wind gods are somehow more powerful than all of the titans because they're wind, but we'll allow it, we'll allow it. Um, (laughs) This brings us to the reason why Hermes has been so pissed this whole time and the reason why we had to send the rest of the army away so this could be an intimate chat between Percy, Annabeth, and Hermes because Hermes has some things to say to Annabeth. All right, this is on page 157 for everyone who I hope is reading along at home because the stakes couldn't possibly be higher. (laughs) Last thing, Hermes looked at me. She said to tell Percy, remember the rivers and um, something about staying away from her daughter. I'm not sure whose face was redder, Annabeth's or mine. Thank you, Hermes, Annabeth said. And I, I wanted to say, sorry. I'm sorry about Luke. The gauze expression hardened like he'd turned to marble. You should have left that subject alone. Annabeth stepped back nervously. Sorry? Sorry, it doesn't cut it. George and Martha curled around the catechist, which shimmered and changed into something that looked suspiciously like a high-voltage cattle prod. You should have saved him when you had the chance, Hermes growled at Annabeth. You're the only one who could have. I tried to step between them. What are you talking about? Annabeth didn't. Don't defend her, Jackson. Hermes turned the cattle prod toward me. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe you should blame yourself. I should have kept my mouth shut, but all I could think about was turning his attention away from Annabeth. This whole time he hadn't been angry with me. He had been angry with her. Maybe if you hadn't abandoned Luke and his mom. Hermes raised his cattle prod. He began to grow until he was ten feet tall. I thought, well, that's it. But as he prepared to strike, George and Martha leaned in close and whispered something in his ear. Hermes clenched his teeth, he lowered the cattle prod, and it turned back to a staff. Percy Jackson, he said, because you have taken on the curse of Achilles, I must spare you. You are in the hands of the fates now but you will never speak to me like that again. You have no idea how much I have sacrificed, how much. His voice broke and he shrank back to human size. My son, my greatest pride, my poor May. He sounded so devastated I didn't know what to say. One minute he was ready to vaporize us. Now he looked like he needed a hug. Yeah. I don't think there's that much for us to add. That kind of speaks for itself. (laughs) And with that, Hermes heads out and he's like, I've said my piece. I need to go back to fight Typhoon. Um, And... Y'all try to save Olympus by yourselves. We get a fun little exchange between Percy and Annabeth. <laughs> Percy um, is like, oh, I see. So you're still worried about Luke. You're worried about Luke again. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when the Half-Bloods come down from Olympus, there is an image here that I think hits really different right now. When they come down from the elevator, everything is quiet and no one is moving. Percy says, I felt like my best friend had suddenly dropped dead. What did they do? What did they do to my city? Which, like, 
if you've been in New York recently, if you're in New York right now listening to this podcast, oof. Oof. <laughs> oof. It's The rough. reason, of course, why this is happening is because Hecate and Morpheus and Kronos are all working together to basically shut down New York. Morpheus is putting her into slave. Hecate is diverting people away from, you know, the, all the entrances of the city. Kronos is slowing down time as you approach the city. They've they've effectively shut down New York. Evil, bad, all is bad. Very sad that you're messing with New York. But also at the same time, like Hecate, Morpheus, Kronos. It's kind of sexy. Lie, I was always so into Hecate. I was so into yes, he- me I mean, too. I used to pronounce it Hecate. But you know, I believe it is Hecate. Like that's the Greek sounding pronunciation. She'd probably be like my second choice of like a godly parent. She's an icon, and she shows back up like later on. Like honestly, like Cece's spa. Like, and I was like, damn. Like, can I have like witchcraft powers and turn men into guinea pigs? That's so cool. Like, I honestly don't know if I was in Annabeth's position yes. if I would have turned down the offer. I might have just left Percy there. <laughs> As a game Annabeth pig. truly got so many excellent offers to join cool feminist yes. communes and just refused. Yes. And it's hard. Was I supposed to say who my godly parent was as one of the intro things? It's up to you. We haven't been asking people, but you can volunteer it if you would like. I only <laughs> say because I feel very strongly about this and my answer has not changed since fifth grade. I was always obsessed with the Hunters. Percy Jackson does not do a great job of like selling immortality in general. So like, I didn't really want the immortality of the hunters. So I would like fantasize to myself. that I'm like, okay, what if Artemis had like a kid, but like in the same way that Athena does, like we're just kind of like springs from her brain, you know, like, so she's still swearing <laughs> off men. Like she didn't, she didn't compromise herself or anything, but like, I would just have all the benefits <laughs> of a hunter. Artemis does IVF alternatively. <laughs> Archery was so big in YA literature at the time. And like, I was a big yeah. like wolf girl. Like I loved <laughs> like, wolf the girl. idea of Sammy. being with like yes. wolves and falcons and just like <clears throat> having <laughs> I love that for you. Some girls are horse girls. Some girls are wolf girls. I, I was a wolf girl. Iconic. Reading it, I am confirmed that that is the correct answer. That is... Period. Uh, I could okay. tell you a second. And that that about brings us to to the reemergence of of the hunters. Um, yes. After we get down, we're all you know. Percy's preparing everyone for battle. He's dispatching people to to seal the different entrances to Manhattan, which in this case is all the bridges and tunnels, which. Rick knows the names of. Shout out to that. Percy also assigns him and Annabeth to like basically go secure the rivers and tries to assign the Ares cabin to to take care of one of the bridges. And of course, they're not there. The hunters show up. The hunters of Artemis show back up. Iconic battle cry. Talia's back with like a headless Barbie sweatshirt or something ready to <laughs> secure the Lincoln Tunnel. Iconic. Iconic energy. We love the hunters. I've also been reading a lot of stuff from the Kombahi River Collective recently. And I think that the hunters are a good analogy for this. For those of you at home who have not done the reading on that, they're cool people, sort of like the hunters, but about like women of color doing communism. So that's really iconic. Doing um, but they're back and we're here securing the entrances in Manhattan. Yeah, I wanted to mention that there's a line where Percy is like, where have you been for the last year? And Talia is like on more badass missions than you. But having just come off of the Tower of Nero virtual tour, where everyone was very adamant about asking Rick if he was going to write another book um, about the hunters, he said specifically that it is something he wants to do. He wants Please. to write a standalone book on the hunters. Please! He doesn't know yeah. when, but why, why he knows would he that we write want a it. book about Apollo before he writes a book about the hunters? Let me. Oh, oh, that's it. But, but I guess also, we'll talk yes. about it when we get there. <laughs> yes. In ten, we should years. also mention that when Percy's dispatching everyone and he assigns himself and Annabeth to go down to the bottom, there's a snide remark from the back. 
from an unnamed person saying, no detours, you two. Relatable. We've <laughs> all been there. Like Fred, Daphne, like energy, like, okay, team, you guys go and Daphne, come with me. And everyone's <laughs> like, you're going to make it. That's out. so disrespectful to Annabeth, but also like correct. And also actually it's not disrespectful to Annabeth because we stand Daphne and specifically the adaptation where she's the only one with martial arts training in this household. Um, <laughs> that was a lot, Carter. That was I kind of like, just took a tangent there. More than I expected. Um, but I don't know if anyone has seen the like early 2000s movie of Scooby-Doo, but it's really iconic and Daphne yeah, has a great fight scene that maybe the youths don't know about, but it's phenomenal. Oh my God. Anyway. Well, Percy and Annabeth go on their lovely romantic mission yeah. down a stolen Vespa um, to go and activate all of the statues in Manhattan, which of course was Daedalus's plan 23, which is fun. I love that. We've talked about that before on this podcast yes. just delightful we've all touched the statues in central park hoping something would happen and then the next step is okay remember the rivers you know all the bridges and stuff are covered but it's not going to matter if we don't get the rivers on our side so percy and annabeth go down to the hudson and the east river and there's a fun conversation that ensues they try to attack him but he is invulnerable <laughs> and they're like son of poseidon i nodded took a dip in the sticks Yep. Buddy River Spirits. Is that like buddy cops? Percy like offers to like help clean them up. Again, shout out to Pan. And humans, we are the virus. This is literally the Hayao Miyazaki moment. These are the hyper-polluted river gods in real life. Yes. Getting these clean. Are the polluted. Yes. They get clean and they're like, okay, okay, we'll snap our fingers, drown everyone in the Titan army who's coming. So great. That's solved. Um, but we get a phone call because now we're using stolen phones. Cute moment. Yeah. Big news. The Minotaur is back. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> so full circle so full circle it shouldn't have regenerated that fast but it did probably the great stirring probably Kronos being back all of that stuff so we're gonna have to go and fight them I I also had a note about this you know how like the first time you saw the Minotaur he was wearing like Fruit of the Looms yep. underwear like yeah haha quirky mm -hmm. like but like it occurred to me that like there aren't as many of those types of what was the one with like the ocean having like braces Charybdis. not as many of those quirky things happen like as the books go on yeah. I feel like and I'm wondering if that's because like maybe the mist also alters the way in which Percy sees the monsters and like how it's like relatable to him which explains why like it sounds like a middle schooler's version of that's monsters, a fresh take. you know like because it makes no I love sense that realistically yeah like sammy that's so cool because like we know that the mist affects demigods when he sees the minotaur this time obviously he's like very much in greek battle yes. armor and like there we don't get many of those quirky things anymore the like, state which, of the minotaur is a reflection of him and his journey so when it yes. first appears it's like a baby in a diaper and now it's literally invincible in a full suit of armor yeah. what sammy you know, as, as it's also a reflection of Percy's growth that it's basically really quick. The Minotaur is powered up, but Percy is powered up much more and basically very quickly dispenses with it, runs it into its own axe, throws it over the side of the bridge. Wow. Powerful. And now we have like a bunch of as paragraphs of Percy in battle. He's invulnerable. He's very good now. Exciting. Da 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 da. And who shows up? It's Kronos. Kronos. It's Kronos time. Kronos is leading the charge himself on this bridge. How did he pick this bridge? Of course, he has the spy. It's, it's time for, for battle round two. We're redeploying. Percy and Annabeth are fighting back to back. This is an iconic image I think about all the time. She has the mirror shield. <laughs> She's literally protecting his one vulnerable spot, even though they don't know it officially and they haven't communicated about it. So iconic. I'm crying, I'm crying, I'm wow, crying. wow. We love partnership. We love companionship. We love co-equal power, mutual understanding. Anyway, th things are going pretty well for them until who shows up but Ethan Nakamura. Ethan Nakamura with a poison blade 
is out here. The bitch has nine lives, didn't explode when we thought he did. Oh, right. No explanation <laughs> given for that. He is inexplicably now Kronos's right-hand man for absolutely no reason. <laughs> what qualifies him? Being the very, the most recent new green recruit. Just don't explain it, Rick. It's fine. Perhaps it's the Mono Minority Myth. But um, but Ethan's back. <laughs> Ethan's back. Perhaps he rose to the ranks. Perhaps he Ethan was recruited down, into the, the system <laughs> because of his pre-existing qualifications, and that is what allowed him to rise through the because ranks. Of his even though people don't understand SAT scores. the fact that you know Asians were only admitted into Cronus's army if they also, had the qualifications to begin with. The monsters and the other demigods in Cronus's army, like yes. you know, that's just. I'm glad we flushed out this model minority critique for Ethan. Again, this is a reminder that the model minority myth is based on selective immigration systems in the U.S. Anyway, anyway, we should probably put it back. Anyway, Ethan is here. Somehow happens to know where Percy's weak spot is, or it was an accident, question mark. It's not really explained. Very spooky. But Annabeth takes a poisoned knife for Percy. Also, somehow in her brain, sensing that that was the one place he could have died if he was struck in. That's iconic. That's iconic. How does she know? Annabeth is bleeding out on the ground of the bridge. Cronus is like, okay, time's up. Ha time's up. Percy yells for Blackjack. Blackjack swoops down, picks up Annabeth by her armor, thank God, carries her off to safety. So it's just Percy versus Cronus. That's done. No time to even think about what just happened. Um, These notes say Percy versus Cronus, invincible version, exclamation point. Very scary. He's got that Mario star power Yes. Yeah, it's, they're fighting. It's maybe not going great for Percy, but then, Michael leans over and is like, Percy, the bridge. Percy, the bridge. And Percy basically destroys the Williamsburg Bridge to get away from Kronos. This is an iconic moment. There's a lot of these. Percy's really overpowered right now, but it's cool. We love it. He stabs the bridge, gets the river to to destroy it. He stabs the bridge at the idea, from the idea of Michael Yu, who, when Percy looks back up, is uh, dead. Or, well, he's gone. Is Michael Yu an Asian name also? There are debates about that. this. There are debates about this in the fandom. It could be, but they I spell thought it he was Y-E-W. Asian as a kid. Whereas, like, I think the, like, traditional, yeah. like, Taiwanese spelling of it but is, like, Y-U. But could also be immigration paper, you know. Yes. I believe, and I could be wrong on this, but I do believe that Michael Yu is one of those names that Rick like actually like was one of his students who he like put into the book oh. but yeah rick like mrs if, dogs if was, like, he a real is person. Asian, i would like to just point out that like all of the obvious characters of color within percy jackson that are like very like clear by their names that they are people of color they, they all, all die they're all sacrificed they all die beckendorf dies like do the, ethan all of them dies die. <laughs> yep Spoiler. Period. No, I mean, okay, I guess technically there is Chris Rodriguez who survives. Barely. Shout out to now, him. Um, Almost dies. Barely, barely survives. Is also suffering. subjected to extreme violence and suffering. But yes, with that, we head off. Annabeth is injured, so we need to go check on that. Um, it turns out that they are recuperating at the Plaza Hotel because it's old school style. Because the, because the Plaza Hotel has hosted famous demigods like Beatles like the Beatles and Hitchcock, because of course we need a reminder that everyone vaguely relevant is descended from the great gods. Girl, I'm sorry. We get it. Carter, why? <laughs> this is, I just, I need to insert this on Twitter this past week. This is going to make no <laughs> sense to anyone who's listening to this at any point, including when we released this episode but on Twitter over the past week. There's been a giant war where like random old white people have been fighting K-pop stands on Twitter specifically about the Beatles, where they've been like, you know, like you think, 
that like BTS is so great, but nothing's been good since the British invasion. Those were real songwriters. And all these like fucking like 12 year old Asian children are like, I've never heard of the Beatles and I bet they fucking suck. Boomer. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it. And I just want to reiterate that here because this is the only thing that's been bringing me joy this week. I've had so many peace outs too. (laughs) To quote my favorite meme of maybe the past three months. Who are the Beatles? I only listen to Korean girl groups. Thank you. This text was superimposed over an image from 500 Days of Summer. Anyway, that was such an aside. And that's recovering from the dagger, which it turns out was poisoned. We didn't know that earlier, but now we for sure know. We might have said it earlier. Oh my god, I always forget. Will. Will Solis, who becomes important later on, is is brought over from the Apollo cabin to come heal her. She seems like she's going to be fine. Also, do none of the other campers know how to do first aid? Like, was that just never a part of it? Like, they were like, yeah, let's all beat each other with swords. And no one but the Apollo cabin should know how to heal anyone. Like, Go off. (laughs) That sounds like something that Kyron would Healing is important. Yeah. So... Yes. Yes. This is also so funny. (laughs) Will, Will, like, when he's asking people to help him get medical supplies, he's, like, telling the Hermes cabin, like, you better not steal these. You better leave some money at the Dwayne Reeds and CBSs. Boy, what are you talking about? This is literally the apocalypse, and you are concerned about the profits of (laughs) multinational corporations? What are you talking about? What is wrong with you? Bleed them dry. They don't pay taxes. (laughs) Literally steal from them. Every... The world is ending. What are you talking about? I just cannot stress this enough. There's another one earlier where, where Percy's like, no, you can't go loot Dylan's candy bar, which is a lie. Yes, yes you, you can. can. Okay, I think there's an you explanation for that. Percy is basically saying, like, don't waste time. But Will, Will is here saying, like, preserve <laughs> the profits, preserve capital, no. preserve the capitalists do not who do that. own the means of production. I don't think so. Wayne Reed is Western civilization. Anyway, I think we've got off on that for long enough. We've made our opinions clear after. Selena is, like, there with them. She's really in her feelings, saying this is all my fault. Um, which Percy, of course, re- responds to being like, no, no, you're you're valid. It's totally fine. There's, of course, more going on there that we'll find out about later. Percy's, you know, out here being like, if I ever found that spy who cost her boyfriend his life, I'm going to feed that spy. Uh, Mrs. O'Leary. And then as, as Selena leaves, um, she hugs Percy, but then she like looks at Annabeth and she goes, um, sorry. And then she leaves. <laughs> oh, I find that so funny. Ah! I think about that all the time also. <laughs> I do too. Also, something I also think about, speaking of the spy, why do, why the hell do they need a scythe charm to communicate? Like, Kronos is the lord of time. He can speak in people's brains. <laughs> why do they need a nice accessory to go? That really is how you should have known it with Selena, because Selena said, You're not coming into my mind. You're giving me jewelry as a part of this deal. Like, and she was right to do so. She said, I'm getting a matching set, my coin like, while I can <laughs> under this capitalist hellscape. But that brings <laughs> us to a um, very, very important dialogue between Percy and Annabeth that we will read. I can't do on it. On page 199. When she was gone, I knelt next to Annabeth and felt her forehead. She was still burning up. You're cute when you're worried, she muttered. Your eyebrows get all scrunched together. You are not going to die on me when I owe you a favor, I said. Why'd you take that knife? You would have done the same for me. It was true. I guess we both knew it. Still, I felt like someone was poking my heart with a cold metal rod. How did you know? Know what? I looked around to make sure we were alone. Then I leaned in close and whispered, My Achilles spot. If you hadn't taken that knife, I would have died. She got a faraway look in her eyes. Her breath smelled of grapes, maybe from the nectar. I don't know, Percy. I just had this feeling you were in danger. Where, where was the spot? I wasn't supposed to tell anyone. 
But this was Annabeth. If I couldn't trust her, I couldn't trust anyone. The small of my back. She lifted her hand. Where? Here? She put her hand on my spine, and my skin tingled. I moved her fingers to the one spot that grounded me to my mortal life. A thousand volts of electricity seemed to arc through my body. You saved me, I said. Thanks. She removed her hand, but I kept holding it. So you owe me, she said weakly. What else is new? Oh my! We didn't put that really in here intending it. Or like, I didn't put this in here because of the sexual ramifications, but they're also there. It is also very intimate. It is also a very important moment for them. It's cute. It oh my god, it's beautiful. serves connection. After where they were in the beginning of this book, fighting, like... We pivot from this to have Annabeth explain what happened with Hermes. Hermes, as you may remember from like, what, 10 minutes ago, was really mad at Annabeth for wasting her opportunity to save Luke when she had the chance. And she explains that specifically, that means that Luke came to see her right before the Battle of Labyrinth. And he came under the flag of truce, unarmed, and said, let's run away together again. Because I think that Kronos is trying to use me, and I am afraid. Oh my. Oh my. (laughs) She's been into him this whole time, and he just shows up, and he's like, run away with me. Let's hide from everyone. You alone can save me. That's so much pressure. He's too much older than her for this to be okay. But also, like, wow, for Annabeth, that must have been such a deeply confusing and torturous experience. I cannot imagine. What a fantasy nightmare, like, incredible, terrifying, speaking to the most problematic desires that she has had that at the same time are still her greatest desires. Sammy's making such faces right now because Sammy has no patience for her weakness. Sammy has no patience for her. <laughs> I just have so many opinions <laughs> about Luke and I just... Is, is this the time when I go should go off? off please go off, him? please go off. Okay. And you are set I'll free. preface this by saying, like, I do respect, like, his critique of the gods mm-hmm. and his, like, anarchist slash, like, abolitionist attitude, like, the system is broken. Like, you know, we respect that. I, I, I enjoy that. But I don't feel like he's doing it for the right reasons. Yes. Like, honestly, it all stems from his daddy issues. Like, let's be real. How much of this does he actually believe in? Like, he's, like, down with the gods. But, like, he just has the, this deep-seated resentment of his father, which really just leaves him primed for Kronos to groom him. The gods are real, and they have kids, and those kids have issues. Yeah, it's like you see him questioning throughout the books, like, how much of this cause he actually believes in, because he doesn't. Like, he realizes he doesn't really believe in this. Also, I've, I've, I've talked about this, but I don't find his character personally very appealing. His doofenshmirtz evil monologues. He's a white man. Um, she said doofenshmirtz evil monologues! Ow, Sammy! The fact that he is emotionally dependent on a on a girl who is seven years younger than him, who he was literally like her father for a little bit. Like he is emotionally manipulative to her. If Luke had gone to therapy, Mm -hmm. none of this would have happened. I reiterate. Like again, I feel bad for saying all this just because I like seeing more of his background. Like I understand, like his past was rough, but like it's an explanation, but it's not an excuse. TLDR. He's a messy baby, and we have to stop romanticizing broken men that need fixing. Period. I think we're all on the same page. The difference is literally just that you were stronger than us. It's just like, <laughs> every time he tries to appeal to <laughs> Annabeth's like, oh, but like, you know me, like, mm-hmm. the, no, bitch, please. Like, no, like, you have proven time and time again, like, if you wanted out of this, you had so many opportunities. Annabeth yes. so believed in him for so, like... And he just takes advantage of it over and over and over. Literally manipulate her to carry the yes. sky. Like, why are we still excusing his actions? Like, 
because he needs okay i think the answer just so that we're all on the same page is that we are not excusing his actions and if if we came off that way that was a mistake if you have like a rough past the answer is not try to kill people the answer is as sammy rightly points out therapy that truly is the answer it's not an excuse you know like as broken as the mental health care system is you know like try try Therapy is very good. But I think that to, to crystallize the position where we're coming from here is that this is really rough for Annabeth. We sympathize with her. We understand where she is coming from as someone who, like, is in this position and someone who is, as you say, like, rightly, like, being exploited by someone who is fully an adult while she is fully a child. You know, like, in her weakness and in her moment of, like, not very much female mentorship or companionship and being in a patriarchal world that tells her that it is her job to to fix men, including by a literal god who literally did tell her it was her job to fix a broken man, like, just now. Not yeah. only not <laughs> only any god, but the father. Literally the person whose fault it was. Yep, yep. Luke <laughs> is just the epitome of messy babies, Jesus. honestly, and that is that is what I stand by. This is correct. You're right. This is so You're correct. You're factually anyway, right. Anyway, so, so Annabeth's debrief on this is basically saying, like, she's guilty, and she says, I could have changed his mind, or, or I had a knife. <laughs> This is really interesting. I think this is the first glimpse we have of Annabeth seriously <laughs> considering that, like, maybe she should have murdered him. Maybe, like, her job... Like, because, like this is going to be something that we grapple with a lot for, like, the rest of this section and, like, the rest of the book, basically, is Annabeth being, like, do I... Should I try to kill him? Or should I try to help you him? You know what Athena... And you know what her mom would say. We really Her mom do. would say... Off, off with him, out with him yeah. right now. That's why we don't have human attachment. <laughs> Get rid of Kiyoshi him. Kiyoshi energy. We're <laughs> My internal energy. I just can't stop laughing after what we just said because what <laughs> this is telling me right now in this very moment is um, Carter and I need therapy. <laughs> it's true. Leave this in. Let it be known. I want accountability from random listeners to this. <laughs> I need random listeners to uphold Carter and I's mental health now. We're putting it on yes. you. Great. Anyway, um, <laughs> after this, Annabeth goes to sleep because she, again, was just stabbed by a poison knife and needs to rest. Um... And, and Percy debriefs with Luke and Tali briefly, you know, they're regrouping. There's more Titans coming. That's big because Kronos, like, we barely got away from him. And now there's another one. Uh, but also Kronos, it seems, is still weak. They think that there are issues with his body and that it's hard for him to slow down time. And so we are going to have a little break until the next night. And um, just like the Lord of Time, we will be taking a little break right now and giving the rest of this recording to you next week. We looked back on this session and realized that we had talked with Sammy for around two hours, so it didn't make sense to give it to you all at once. But next time, there's a lot of exciting content in store, as I am sure you are aware. We will have Prometheus reimagined. We'll have fun revelations about Nico's past. We have personal hurricanes. We have conversations about why Hawaii's in the books and how Hawaii's in the books. There's so much to look forward to. There's more of us thinking about therapy. 